A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. And he rose and went. And behold, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a minister of the Candice, queen of the Ophians, who was in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. As a sheep led to the slaughter, or a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken up from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, pray, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. The word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to talk tonight uh, about this amazing, perfect for a vacation Bible school story from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8. And when you read it on first uh, appearance, I used to always get stuck on one chariots, right? You think Ben Hur. And then also this sort of Star Trek, of which we cut out tonight, but Philip actually gets transported back up to the coastline uh, and works as he does sort of a. West Coast swing of Israel from Gaza on up to Caesarea Maritina. And um, it's very exciting, and uh, there's some drama there, and uh, the characters involved are exotic, at least the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, but there's something much deeper, and we won't get into eunuchs tonight, uh, except to talk about our friend, the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, but there's a lot going on in the scripture. Uh, not uh, the least of which is uh, the fact that our friend, the main character, uh, in this story is uh, from Ethiopia. He's the Secretary of the Treasury for Ethiopia. He serves under Candace the Queen, who's actually not uh, the, the head of Ethiopia, but her son is. But they have this idea that uh, if, uh, like a lot of cultures in this day, including the Roman Empire, uh, one of the things that the Christians were uh, given a hard time about was that they wouldn't sacrifice to who? Caesar. Why? Because they saw Caesar as divine, and the Ethiopians were no different. They saw their king as divine, uh, and running things like the treasury and the day-to-day -day operations of the kingdom of Ethiopia would be beneath the king, and so his mother basically ran the show, Candace. And here's this Ethiopian eunuch, a man of substance, uh, a man of power. We also learn that he is a Gentile convert to Judaism. 
That is, a non-Jew who worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's made an incredibly long journey by chariot to get up to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. So he's gone from Ethiopia. He's gone up the Nile, well, technically down the Nile Valley. The Nile is one of those funny rivers that flows from south to north. Uh, makes his way through the Nile Valley. And then uh, that's lush and it's beautiful. Except for the strip from the Nile Delta up to Jerusalem, the scriptures tell us it's something. It's what? It's desert. It's the worst part of the trip. It's that bit on the interstate. Like if you're ever on Interstate 16 between Macon and Savannah where you think, ugh. Uh, but then sometimes like if you're on Interstate 81, it's kind of nice. Right? Oh, look at how the lovely foliage in the Shenandoah Valley. That's where Andrew grew up. Honk thorn. Uh, you know, those are, those are very nice things. But uh, you get to Jerusalem and out of this desert, and Jerusalem is often called Jerusalem the Golden because the stone that is quarried there is a lot like the stone that we have on our church that when the sun shines on it, it looks like it's made of gold. And there's this incredible walled city sitting up on a hill, and on top of the hill is the Temple Mount. And that is what the Ethiopian eunuch, that's his destination. That is where he's going. Now, if you live in Jerusalem, you're going to take for granted the fact that you live so close to the temple. Because when you go to temple to worship, uh, the main component of that is what? Sacrificing. When you sin, in order to make atonement for the sacrifice that, for the sin that you have committed, an animal must be sacrificed. And you can uh, reference tonight when you're crawling into bed, you can look through uh, the Old Testament and see what sin demands what sacrifice and what purification needs. Uh, but that was the purpose. Now, if you live in Jerusalem, you know, if you, if you get on a bad streak of sinning, you know, you say, well, I guess I can take the afternoon and walk on up to the temple and, and make sacrifice. But what if you lived in Ethiopia? It's not a hop, skip, and a jump. And so when you are heading from Ethiopia up to the Temple Mount, you're going with intention. You're going up there to say, look, I have a lot of sin to have a to that, that needs atoning, and that's what I'm going to do. And so it was this religious devotion that fuels the Ethiopian eunuch's desire to go up to Jerusalem in the first place to do what? To worship, and the main component of that is to sacrifice. And so there he is on the Temple Mount. He's made his sacrifices, and he's on his way back home. And, of course, human nature being what it is, how long before he sins again? probably before he even leaves the Temple Mount. Right. Not much longer. So much so that it's clear that this is the issue that's plaguing the Ethiopian eunuch's mind. What happens when I get back to Ethiopia and there's a, no atonement for my sin? What is going to cover my guilt? What is going to help me deal with the things that wake me up in the middle of the night? Where am I going to encounter God's forgiveness in my life when I get back home when the remedy for what ails me is miles and miles away in a foreign country. He doesn't get very far. He's on the road between Jerusalem and Gaza, still in the area of Palestine, and it is in the middle of the desert. And he's sitting there in his chariot, and he's reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Incidentally, Isaiah chapter 56 has a lot to say about God's love for eunuchs. So he probably was drawn there and he was flipping through and looking at Isaiah 53. And this is what he's reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. 
And God has sent Philip into the middle of the desert. You can imagine Philip's internal response to this. What, you know, why didn't you say the Bahamas, God? Uh, why, you know, why didn't you say uh, you know, someplace that's nice and, and has lots of lovely things? But God calls Philip to the middle of the desert, and there he is on this dusty road, and the chariot approaches. Well, needless to say, it's an odd sight to see a hitchhiker on this desert road. Even more odd is the fact that all of a sudden Philip starts running toward the chariot, and the chariot is not going Ben-Hur speed. You know, that would be cruel to the horse. So the horse, but it's it's walking. It's making so in order to keep up. Uh, the Philip is having to at least move a little bit, and he realizes, look, I'm not sure how much longer I can do this. I don't have a lot of water here, and I'm in the middle of the desert. And he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah 53 and asks him, "Do you understand what the prophet is talking about?" The Ethiopian says, "How can I unless somebody explains it to me?" And Philip hops up into the the chariot and begins to open the scriptures to the eunuch. Now, here's the thing. The Ethiopian eunuch asks a compelling and very pointed question. Please, please, sir, tell me, this suffering servant from Isaiah 53, the one who would come and take the sins from the world, the one who would be a remedy for sin, the one who would be the once and for all sacrifice, this lamb led to the slaughter, Is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? Now think about it. He's just gone up on the Temple Mount to sacrifice and as he's walking down, he realizes that those animal sacrifices are not enough to cover the sin that he has in his life. They're not enough to transform him. They're a temporary remedy and he knows that. And he finds himself here and what he's really longing for what is a permanent remedy. Something that will actually satisfy the, the, the demand uh, that sin has in his life, something that will cover it, something that will remove the guilt, something that will set him rights to God. And so it's almost as if he's really asking Philip, please tell me that it's somebody else. Because if it's Isaiah, well, he's dead. That chapter is closed. Please tell me that the prophet is talking about one who was to come that will take away the sin of the world. Well, providentially, This prophecy has just been fulfilled. It wasn't all that long ago that Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem, that he was crucified, died, buried, and rose again from the dead. And so Philip begins to open the Old Testament scriptures. Remember, there's no New Testament written down at this time. Begins, and what better place to start than Isaiah 53? He opens up the scriptures and begins to tell the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus Christ. And the eunuch's life is transformed. His life is transformed. A couple things. One, when Philip jumps up into the chariot, he doesn't begin to counsel the Ethiopian eunuch on, look, you just need to get over it. You don't need to dwell so much on your condition, and you'll get back to Ethiopia, and you'll be fine. Well, the Ethiopian eunuch's response is, look, why do you think I left Ethiopia? Things weren't fine. I realized I I had to go try to find God on the Temple Mount. Well, that's interesting because a lot of people in our culture, they try to find God. They look for him as if he's the one who was lost. He wasn't able to find God in his homeland. He wasn't able to find an answer to the problems that he had, the things that woke him up in the middle of the night as he was going through the beautiful Nile Nile Valley and into the Delta. Although beautiful and he might have seen God's beauty and his creation around him, still no answer. And so finally he came to the Temple Mount 
right? The pinnacle of spirituality, where, of course, he would encounter God, and yet he left that place still empty. But where did he encounter Jesus Christ? In the most least likely of places, the desert. The desert. The middle of nowhere, on a dusty road in the middle of a desert, he picks up a hitchhiker and has his life changed. This is not the way that he thought it would all go down. You know, often we try to find God in what we consider super spiritual things. You know, we might have had a, a great weekend retreat someplace, and so when we're feeling a little bit down, we go back to that place to try to recharge our batteries, but often we can't recapture that feeling that we once had, or, or maybe we read a book once that was really profound in our lives, and we'll read it, and, but for some reason it's still just not going to do it for us. Uh, but we never think that God is in the desert. And then, in fact, sometimes God calls us to the desert, And that's where he meets us. And in that desert, the Ethiopian eunuch found out that there is a balm in Gilead. Something to heal his sin-sick soul. It's in the desert that that happens. And Philip gives him the pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, look, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. The prophecy is fulfilled. He doesn't try to doll it up or, or fluff it up. I don't know about you, but I've never been able to argue anybody into Christianity. Never been able to do it. It wasn't that it says the, script, the scriptures say, and Philip was just so winsome. Uh, it, it doesn't say that. Uh, it says he opened the scriptures and began to tell him about Jesus Christ and what he had done for this Ethiopian eunuch. Well, if you keep reading, and you can do that tonight, past verse 35, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch's life Uh, was changed, changed forever. And the scriptures say that he went on his way rejoicing. So tonight, uh, that we would look to Jesus Christ as the source of our salvation, uh, the fount of every blessing, uh, and that we would fix ourselves upon it and know that sometimes God calls us to the desert, but know that you've not been called to the desert uh, for no purpose, but in fact for a divine purpose, a divine appointment. And praise God, sometimes God sends Phillips into the desert alongside us, doesn't he? And maybe God is calling you to be a Philip, to run up next to the chariot and to point somebody toward Jesus Christ for their freedom, for their cure, for their wholeness. And so tonight that we might, uh, those of us in those desert places, uh, rest in the knowledge of this story, uh, that God is just as much God of the desert as he is on the Temple Mount. And hallelujah, what a Savior, that Jesus Christ, who is the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen.